You're listening to the Health Coach Careers Podcast, brought to you by Wellpreneur. Learn what it's really like to be a health coach in these interviews with real, successful health coaches. These interviews originally aired on the Wellpreneur Podcast, and they're hosted by me, Wellpreneur founder, Amanda Cook. I hope they give you inspiration and insight into planning your own health coaching career. Are you thinking about becoming a health coach? I know it's a big decision. I know I had a lot of questions, fears, and excitement when I took the leap to become a health coach while I was still working full-time. That's why I've created a free health coach decision kit to help you decide if it's the right next step for you. Download the decision kit at wellpreneur.com slash decision kit. Hey, and welcome back to the Wellpreneur podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook. And this week, as always, we're talking about digital marketing to grow your wellness business. But actually this week, we're talking about something that is even more exciting. Have you ever dreamed about taking off and running your business from a beach in Bali or Thailand or living in a city that you've always dreamed about visiting for a couple of months? For a lot of people that want to run their business online and run a virtual business, this is part of the motivation so that you can be location independent and run your business and continue to work with clients and run your programs from anywhere around the world. And that's what we're talking about today. My guest today is health coach Laura Thomas of Happy Sugar Habits. And Laura is somebody that I know from here in London, from our health coach meetups. And when Laura left her corporate job, she actually stayed in London for a little while and then decided, you know what, I'd rather go someplace else and go to Bali, actually. So she took off, went to Bali for a couple of months and has been running her business there. So I wanted to have Laura on the show to talk all about how she did that and how she's finding it. And actually, you might be surprised because she's actually finding she's getting a lot more done and has found a great community of entrepreneurs there to work with. So I think you're really going to like this interview with Laura today. Hi, Laura. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Amanda. Thank you for having me. So we're speaking like all the way across the world because I'm here in London and you're in beautiful Bali. I'm in Bali. I know. I'm sat in a Skype cubicle, which is made out of bamboo. Oh, and have you been like drinking coconuts and like yes, <laughs> playing on so, the beach? You know, <laughs> fresh coconut water that's like not packaged and costs about a fraction of the price and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I'm jealous. I'm looking out my window at the gray sky. Of London, <laughs> so. so actually, I know Laura in real life because Laura's originally from the UK and we've met at these London health coach meetups. And I really wanted to have Laura on the show today because she's made a total transformation in her life and really moved her business well, and you can tell the story, Laura, but what I love about it is she was running her health coaching business here in the UK and then has picked up and moved to Bali, which I know is a dream for many people out there. And so, yeah, so I wanted to have you on to talk about kind of why you decided to make that shift, how long you're there for, and, and some of the really cool things you found to get up to while you're there to get support for your business. So tell us your story. How did you end up in Bali? So I obviously I worked at IBM for a number of years and then decided I wanted to move into the health area and trade did did the Institute of Integrative Nutrition course and started kind of running my business alongside my job. And I actually up until February had a kind of part-time job, corporate job, which really was great, it allowed me 20 hours to do my job and 20 hours to work on my business and grow my business. And then it came to February and a couple of things happened and you know it I decided to kind of leave and make the leap at that point and go full time on my business. 
which, you know, everyone would be like, well, congratulations, so exciting. And I was really excited. But I found myself really floundering with the lack of structure in my week. So I could, before when I had my job, part-time job, could be like, okay, I'm doing that that day, that this day. And suddenly, lack of structure, I was just like every day, like, oh, what am I doing today? And I had too much choice, basically, with my time. And I was working at home. I didn't have enough money in my business at that point to join a co-working space in London. I did try some, but I just found they were so expensive and I was commuting on the trains and that was costing me money and the co-working space was costing me loads of money. So I tried and I just didn't feel part of the community in them. They were kind of tech startup more orientated co-working spaces so I didn't quite feel like part of the community and I was commuting on a train which was busy and I was just like why am I paying to do this (laughs) um it feels a bit insane and for Um, anybody who's commuted on a train into London they'll know it's like the most uninspiring (laughs) (laughs) environment (laughs) yeah it's just like right I'm paying 20 pounds a day for the office and then 10 pounds a day for the thing I'm going in and making small talk you know with people I don't really feel quite part of the community it just wasn't feeling right. And and I really wasn't happy with my setup. And it was making me lose motivation in my business and what I was doing and question everything. And I know everybody listening is probably knows that feeling when you just have those days where you're like, what am I doing? And those were more frequent at this point. So I saw some things online, you know, people on Facebook, I saw an old friend that I used to know, and he was out in Bali doing something and I was clicking through And someone else had mentioned to me that they were going to Bali to work and there was a co-working space in Bali in Ubud. So I looked up online and it's called, it's a place called Hubud, which is hub in Ubud. And it's a bamboo co-working space, which is where I'm sat right now. Um, Looked up online. I was like, wow, this looks amazing. Then I discovered this organization called Tribe Wanted, who are a co-working group and community within Hubud. And I just thought, right, that's it. And within a week of telling my mum, who wasn't very happy at first, she was like, oh, I'm worried. I was just like, mum, I've got to go. I booked two months to, to come out here. And then as soon as I got out here, within the first month, I was just immersed in this community. And I just knew that I was going to want to stay longer than two months. So I extended three months, went home for five weeks for weddings and things, and then just decided that I've got to come out here. I've got to move out here some way or I've got to work abroad it's something I wanted to do and now with a remote business I feel like I can do it so I'm back out here now and I'm now going to be leading the next tribe wanted so I've kind of taken on a bit of additional responsibility with the organization that quite frankly completely changed my life around my business so yeah in a nutshell that's it I know that's quite long Mm, no, that's awesome. I mean, that's such a big change. And I think it's really good that you recognized in yourself that just working from home by yourself wasn't working for you. It's funny, I actually just did an episode on that. Everybody, I'll put the link in the show notes, but it was called The Myth of Quitting Your Day Job. And it's exactly what you said, Laura, is that you think, oh, well, when I can do my own business full time, I'm going to have so much time, I'll get so much done. But in reality, and I found this too, it's exactly what you found that suddenly your days sprawl. It's like endless expanse of time and you can actually get a lot less done and it can be really lonely. Um, So good for you for actually recognizing that and then not just staying stuck in the situation, like actually making the change. So I'm really curious when you talk about having a community there, can you talk about what that means? Because I think it's hard for people to imagine, like if we're all working on our own businesses, how do people actually help each other? What does that look like yeah. and how is it valuable? 
There's a couple of things that really make it a community here. So the first thing is like, obviously, because people are working and living out here, it's got more of an expat feel. And so people are socialising a lot more together. So they're working together and they're socialising together because you often eat out, you know, you don't actually cook very much out here for yourself because it's very reasonable and cheap to eat out. So you end up eating out with people from the office a lot more or just casually saying, oh, should we go for lunch and going for lunch? And I found in London, it's very, very fast, fast paced. Everyone's social calendars are kind of booked up three months in advance, not very spontaneous. And everyone's got obviously their life outside their business and their network. So it's not as easy to do that. So here it's very much a bit more close knit community in that sense with the expats who are working and living here. But also the co-working space in Hubert. They have loads of events on. They've got two talks every week. They have like socials. Speed networking was on as soon as I got here. And because there's not thousands of us, it's small enough for you to kind of get to know a lot of people and for everybody to know each other. It's a bit small town syndrome sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, everyone like knows each other. I, I often make a joke. I don't know if anyone watches Made in Chelsea, but I often say it could be something like Made in Ubud here. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> it is kind of a small town stuff but after living in London for six years this was just so refreshing to have that and to just go into an office and like say hi hi and bump into people how was your weekend what did you get up to that real sense of knowing everybody and being interested in what they've been up to and or maybe going away for a weekend with them yourself that kind of sense to things you know I didn't want to live on my own so I lived with some people here and you know had community through that sense as well they say with Hubert now, they've created this community here. They say people come for the Wi-Fi and the internet, but they end up staying for the community. You come for the workspace, but actually it's the people and the buzz around this place that makes people stick. And you've got you know, such a diverse range of people as well. It's not just like health coaches. It's a real mixture. And you can pretty much tap into someone and go, I need a branding expert. And there'll be someone here. I need a software developer and there'll be someone here. So you've got everyone you kind of need within this small community, which is amazing when you, from a business perspective. Mm, yeah. And plus like just the ability to ask questions to people that are maybe like working in different industries or with different expertise. You know, you don't have that thing where you're alone in your office and you just get stuck in your head and you just can't move yeah. forward on a decision because you can go out and get all these different opinions from people with different areas of expertise. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a blog post on this. I think it's what triggered our conversation for you to get me on here. I wrote a blog post saying that I was literally sat at home and if I got stuck on like a piece of software, I'd just Google it. And you know, Google's great. You can Google all your problems and find out things and there's loads of useful blogs, but it's just a lonely way of doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're just Googling. Whereas here I might say, oh, I'm really stuck on my WordPress. And someone will be like, oh, have you spoken to so-and-so? They could just, and then that's it. I could just have a quick conversation. They tell me the issue and I go away and it's done. And if I need more help, then they say, okay, I need, you need more help. And maybe I then pay hourly or something, you know, but it's just like having the access to those people. Mm -hmm. um, recently, like YouTube, this guy came and did an, a fantastic talk on how to use YouTube to accelerate your business. And then after this, I've kind of become friends with him now. And he sat with me for a couple of hours and now he's offered me, you know, a good rate. And we're maybe going to work together. So I'm going to end up working with my friends. <laughs> which is cool. That's awesome. And like on the beach or wherever you are in some beautiful yeah. setting. Yeah. Yeah. So buy an infinity pool. There's no shortage of infinity pools here. You can work 
in really amazing locations. And that's something we did with Tribe Wanted, which obviously I'll talk about in a minute. But we tended to meet up like a couple of times a week in really cool locations to have our check-in and meetings just to get us inspired, to help us remember that we're in Bali and we've got this beautiful land around us that can really inspire you to be quite creative. So there's a real benefit from a creativity angle being out here. So tell us a bit about your daily schedule. What's it like? When I was in the tribe wanted, my schedule was quite, it was quite good because I had quite a routine. At the moment, it's not starting for another couple of weeks. But I would get up and actually do like a block of work in the morning first thing, maybe like 60 minutes to 90 minute block of something, usually like writing. So I like doing writing first thing in the morning. And then I would go to like the gym or I'd go to yoga here. For anyone who's into yoga is insane. I was kind of into yoga a little bit in the UK, went occasionally, did a few YouTube things. Now I've been out here, really got into the yoga. It's very, very good, you know, from the kind of meditative state as well and calming, calming nature of it. And then I'd go to yoga and then I'd get to my check-in tribe meeting at about 10 o'clock. And those meetings would run from 10 to 12. And that's where we'd all go around and talk to each other about what we're working on, what our goals on were for the week or the day, what we needed help with. Sometimes we'd do a bit of a session maybe on finance. Sometimes we'd have a speaker in, you know, it could vary a little bit. But it was basically a check-in. It was called the check-in. So that would run to 12 o'clock and then 12 o'clock till in the afternoon maybe. And then I'd do a few more hours work, like really focused quality work. And then I'd get out and enjoy myself. So come four o'clock, maybe go to another workshop or go and get some food with some friends and just enjoy the evening. You know, there's loads of cool things on in the evenings here. I got really into this thing called aesthetic dance, which is just free dance. In it's in a yoga studio, but it's just like a club slash yoga slash dance. It's really hard to explain, but I got really into that. I found a real passion for dance salsa dancing so I just kind of could tap into like all these hobbies my yoga and everything and like really live or get out and see the nature and it made me really focused with my time okay I've got to do this in these three hours I've got to get up and do that 90 minutes because I want to go out and enjoy Bali it's crazy for me not to be in Bali and not to enjoy it you know as much as the co-working space is fab I don't want to be sat in here all the time so it made me really start to manage my time effectively. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are really good for that. It's not good to have any possibility in the world. I think you're forced to be a bit more creative and more efficient when there's something, (laughs) some sort of structure in place for sure. Check-in worked fantastically for me that because I was like, I've got to be there for 10 o'clock. I don't want to turn up at 10 o'clock having not done any work for the day because I start to be like, oh, I haven't done any work. So it made me really, it made me really disciplined in the morning. It was great. Yeah, let's talk about that because I think before we started recording the interview, we were chatting a bit about accountability. And it's funny because I've just wrapped up my incubator program, which is like a small group program for 12 entrepreneurs. And this was one of the biggest things. It's like, okay, we all have plans for our business, but how are you going to make sure you implement it? And when you're working on your own in your house, you can just talk yourself. You can kind of rationalize to yourself why you're working on what you're working on. Whereas if you actually have an accountability buddy or a mastermind group or this morning check-in meeting like you were talking about, where you say, I'm going to do this. And then the next day they say, did you do it? You can't say, oh, well, then actually I decided I needed to update my Facebook page and then I need to learn yeah. Periscope and <laughs> you yeah. actually have to do it, right? So yeah. yeah, can you talk a bit about how that's, how that's worked? Yes, yeah, so I definitely use the tribe for that. And it was really, really powerful for me. 
yeah, there's some days like Danielle, who was the leader whilst I was in the tribe, would say, right, Laura, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, okay, I'm going to do customer avatar. Then it got to the next day and I kind of hadn't done it the day before. And I was like, oh no, I can't turn up to the meeting without having done it. So that was it. I had like an hour and I quickly did it and I did a really good job with it as well. And I wouldn't have done it. I've been putting it off for ages. And the practice of being in that group and then saying, no, you're the most important thing for you to do this week is your customer avatar, Laura. And it wasn't easy. You know, it was something that I'm struggling with, which is why I was procrastinating and avoiding it for so long. But I needed to do it. It felt so much better once it was done. So just that daily accountability. And then the other one that I did, which was very powerful, was I was trying to get a Udemy course out of the door, like a full 77. It was a 77 curriculum course on how to change your relationship with sugar. And it was PowerPoints and recordings and like so much material. And I'd been doing it probably for about a month or two before coming out to Bali. And I was really slowing down at the point of like finishing it off. And I just was like, oh, am I going to ever finish this? And then that's it. I just went to one meeting and I said, right, everybody in this meeting, next Monday, I am having this finished course up on that PowerPoint and it's going to be done. And you're all witness to this. And so that was it. That week, I was probably one of the most productive weeks I've had all year. I was literally like, all that matters is getting this course in front of that tribe group. I just do not want to said that and not have this course. So that was it. I was super focused. I was in here on Saturday night because I'd set that super focused goal. And okay, I worked really hard, but I got it done and it felt amazing. So the accountability was so bad. I've been trying to finish that course for weeks. It was just so, so good. So I'm sure, although it's totally amazing being in Bali, there's always like good and bad side, right? So yeah. I'm just wondering, yeah. not about Bali particularly, but for somebody considering maybe moving their business for a while, for a few months or permanently, whatever, what are some of the things they need to consider? Like what maybe has been more difficult than you thought it would be? Yeah, great question, you know, because I mean, everybody at home just thinks, oh, you're on Bali, you're on holiday. I mean, that's probably one of them. The fact that my friends at home and possibly some of my family just think this is one big holiday. And actually, you are still working and you're actually working really hard. People out here work really hard and you're still working really hard. Can I just can I just say this is one of my pet peeves because I work for myself. I'm self-employed and I work from home. People are like, oh, right, you work from home, like in air quotes. And this bugs me <laughs> to no end. So I completely get that, that they must be like thinking you're just on holiday the whole time yeah. because it's actually a business. <laughs> yeah. And you have to actually even, do things to generate income. That's yeah. even more exaggerated being out here. I'm I mean, sure. Because obviously the photos that are going on Facebook, are, you know, are the weekends I'm doing really cool stuff. I'm, I'm going to like a cool hot springs or something, you know, like on a Saturday. And that's fair enough to have a weekend and do that. But everyone's just like, is this a joke? Is Laura's life like, what is she doing? When's she going to come home? And it's actually caused difficulties in some of my friendships because it's, it's hard for them to understand. And so that's probably been one area. Another area is obviously small local annoyances that, you know, in London, it might be the tubes. We're here. It's the mosquitoes or, you know, the bugs or the traffic on your scooter or whatever. So there's like minor local differences. But probably some of the deeper ones are obviously just making sure that you do find that time to focus, you know, with it being a community and with obviously you trying to build a bit of a social network here, you can end up going around and doing lots of things and not doing your work. Obviously, time differences, you just need to be aware of. And the fact that you don't have your family and really, really close friends nearby, 
building some really strong close friendships out here is important to have that network. I mean, I had an instance early on within my first month where I don't want to share too many of the details, but I had to have my toenail removed and it was really painful and I was really upset. It's really silly, but those little things where you just want your mum or you want someone just to be there really comforting and being away from home, that feels exaggerated. That kind of, you can feel that a bit more then. I met a girl out here who'd been traveling on the road for five years. She's been living this lifestyle for five years, kind of digital nomad. And she taught me ever so a lot. And she said, look, Laura, like real life happens out here. You know, everyone thinks you're living the dream and everything, but you still might break up with your boyfriend. You still might get food poisoning. You still do things and you're going to have bad days. So you can't feel bad about having bad days because it's still real life, even though you're effectively in paradise. So it's just being aware of some of those things and and your feelings, I think. Mm -hmm. And what about like the logistics of running your business? Have you found it like working with clients or just dealing with, you know, money or just running your business in general? Have you had any snags doing that remotely where you thought, wish I was back? Yeah. When I first came, obviously, it was a very fast decision. And I had one client who, you know, we could only do an evening call in the UK. He wouldn't do morning. And, it, you know, I understood it was my choice to come out here. I couldn't shift into a time that didn't suit his schedule. So when I first came out here, I was doing 4am call every week, which was hard because I had to drive to the office. The internet wasn't good enough at my place. I had to drive to the office on my scooter at half two, three o'clock in the morning. And there are loads of dogs. And it was scary. Um, and I just didn't feel like it was safe. I was like, oh, this isn't right. This isn't good for your health. It's not safe. So that was a little bit tricky for me at first. But now I've made sure that I've got no clients on sociable hours. Money-wise, obviously, there's the ticket for your plane and visa and kind of setup costs. But actually, once you're out here, it is the living and the running of your businesses. You know, your day-to-day expenses in terms of food and accommodation and things are a lot cheaper. And even the co-working space, this is much, much cheaper and reasonable than the equivalent in London. It's actually better for me from a financial perspective to be here than be in London. So there's got to be spaces like this all over the world, too. So if somebody's interested, you know, obviously this one in Bali sounds amazing. I'd like you to tell us a bit more about that one. But based on your experience there, if people are looking to go somewhere and they're looking at different locations, like what are some of the things that you'd encourage them to look for before choosing a location? I would definitely look for a digital nomad. I don't know if people are familiar with the term digital nomad, but it's basically someone who works remotely and travels and maybe moves around and lives as an expat in various locations with their laptop. So look for digital nomad communities because that's where you're going to find like-minded people. Actually now, Ubud, where I am here, You know, there was a thing on CNBC saying it's the new Silicon Valley and it's really up and coming as a digital nomad location. The other big one is Thailand. So Chiang Mai in Thailand. I know Koh Lanta. Quite a few hubs in Asia springing up now where these communities are happening. I mean, Chiang Mai, someone said to me, it's got like eight to ten co-working spaces in Chiang Mai. And it's really, really growing in terms of all the people working remotely. I think Ubud is really good for health professionals because you've got the yoga, you can buy green juice and coconuts and it's all vegan and vegetarian. Healthy food here is very well done. This is popular with health entrepreneurs. 
anyone looking, just start looking up digital nomad communities. You could join some kind of forums or chat boards to find out which locations people are talking about or get in touch with someone who you know is out here, you know, get in touch with me or whoever, and they're happy to tell you about it. Cool. So tell us more about Tribe Wanted, because I know now you're back there and you're actually going to be leading the next group. Yeah. So Tribe Wanted absolutely turned my business and my mindset around my business and everything around. You know, I came back to Bali a bit kind of floundering, you know, okay, I was lonely at home and things, but actually I was a bit stuck strategically with my business, which direction to take it in, who was I serving, what products was I offering, coaching and so forth. So Tribe Wanted really gave me a space to kind of talk that out and work it through with other people who had different experiences but could really add to my kind of thought process along that. And I came out much clearer on like my strategy, my direction. I actually had a completely new idea for how I wanted to brand myself and the process of the accountability and everything. It was just a very, very good thing for me to do. And it was so good that I decided when they said, oh, we're looking for a leader, I was like, oh my goodness, I would absolutely love to lead people through that journey as well, because it was so amazing for me. And they were actually considering like kind of stopping it. I was like, no, no, you can't stop it. It's so amazing. So basically you meet every day. It's kind of a co-working group. So obviously you've got the co-working space where people come and there is a community here, but the co-working group is kind of the next level. So it's where you've maybe got between three to five people at its smallest up to about 15 who meet every day and really check in with each other. You might break off into small groups and work through your goals with each other or you might break off into small groups and have discussion about the role of money in your business or something. You might sit around in a circle and do a quick check-in with everybody, you know, format fairies. But it's just a way of keeping you really engaged with your business, keeping your creativity and your thought processes really moving forward through the power of a community, really, which is essentially just other people there with you every day, understanding what you're doing. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. So when's the next one start? The next one's starting on the 31st of August, and it's running through September. So we've got some great people joining, such a range of people. You know, you've got creatives, you've got techs, you've got health entrepreneurs, really diverse range. So that's running all through September, which is when I'll be leading it. And then it's probably going to run into October and November as well. And then it's likely to fall around December and kick off again in the new year. But the main one is going to be, yeah, this one, September, October, which I'm super, super excited for. And we do loads of fun stuff as well. We do all the check-ins like Monday to Thursday. And then on Thursday, Friday, we're like, right, let's do something really fun. Let's explore Bali together. So someone's coming out and they don't know anybody out here. It's so fantastic because you just instantly are put into a group and you meet people and they're like, oh, we're going to go and do some batik painting this weekend. Do you want to come? Or we're going to go into the Gilly Islands all together. Let's do this together. So you've just instantly got that friendship network. Awesome. So what's the website for Tribe Wanted Bali? It is barleystartup.tribewanted.com. Got it. Okay, cool. And I'll put that link in the show notes too. So everybody can just tap on the photo of the podcast and then the link will be right there. So you don't have to type it into your phone, which is yeah. awesome. Laura, I always really like to ask people to share some of their favorite resources. So do you have a tool that you just are totally loving right now for your business or a favorite book? Well, yeah, actually you said tool, but when I got out here, I sat in Hubert one day and I met this girl who's now my best friend. I live with her and she's an absolute marketing pro. And she kind of said to me, she's like, how do you organize yourself? And I was like, uh, my notepad, I don't pull up this kind of scrappy thing. And she's got me using Asana. 
don't know if you've ever used Asana. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'd never use it before. Never, you know. Anyway, it's really, really good. It's really working for me. It really helps me plan projects. And so I'd say that's one of the tools that I'm really, really loving at the moment. And then other resources. One of the books that I'm really big fan of is Brené Brown. You know, and all her vulnerability and things, just making you realise that all the emotions you feel in your business are human and normal and it's all part of the process. Probably more women relate to me when I say this, but I turned up to some of my tribe meetings nearly in tears. Sometimes I'm in tears and just having those people there for me, my business that weren't my friends just saying, oh, go on, just keep going, just keep going. Someone who could actually give me really intelligent insight was just amazing. So yeah, Brené Brown stuff around vulnerability, I think it's very powerful. Awesome. And I'm sure everybody out there's listened to her TED Talk, but if not, go listen to the TED Talk. I'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah, her TED Talk and her books. Awesome. Thanks. Well, so Laura, tell us where people can get in touch with you or learn more about you or if they want to talk to you about coming to Bali to join up with this next intake. Yeah. So it's quite unusual for me to do an interview and not talk about my health expertise, which is obviously around the sugar area. So um, people want to get in touch with me. My website is happysugarhabits.com. You know, I counted the other day, I've got like 250 blog articles on everything to do with sugar and emotional eating sugar and everything like that. But if people want to contact me through that, that's my main channel. And then if they want to contact me through Tribe Wanted, you know, you can get in touch through there. Either way, I'll pick it up and I can respond to people. So yeah, head to happysugarhabits.com and contact me through there. Probably the best way. Cool. And am I ever going to see you back in London? You will. You will. (laughs) This thing has changed my life now. So I need to, I'm just trying to work out what's going on with my flat and everything. But it's all positive and all, and all good. So I'd say to people, just do it. Just take a risk and sometimes just go follow your heart. I love it. Thanks so much, Laura, for joining us today. No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Health Coach Careers Podcast. If you're thinking about becoming a health coach, don't forget to download my free Health Coach Decision Kit to help you decide if health coaching is the right next step for you. Download the decision kit at wellpreneur.com slash decision kit.